You're listening to The Chartographers. You're listening to the Chartographers Music Loving Podcast, Music Loving People. We debate things a lot about music. Hey guys, uh, it's Evan, it is Taryn, and it is our wonderful special guest for our Shelby Lynn Happy Hour Mini Sub, Nathan Dunbar. Hello. How you doing? Woo-hoo. I am well. How's everybody else? Good. Uh, so this is the Happy Hour Mini Sub where we're just kind of talking about freeform. We don't have to worry about ranking. We let our hair down. We have some drinks. It's fantastic. Uh, and Shelby Lynn, fascinating, just Great artist, and I'm so glad we got to rank her this week. But most importantly, we need to start out the Happy Hour Minisode uh, with the one that we start at the Every Happy Hour Minisode. Guys, and I'm going to be careful about my word choice here, what is the least good Shelby Lynn song? Worst. It's the worst song. No. It's so bad. <laughs> Jesus Nathan on has, Nathan has never such an the word easy worst. choice. I know. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Come on, come on. It what has is, to be Jesus on a Greyhound. What is your it least favorite Shelby Lynn song? Oh gosh. Yeah. Um It's just it's just a conversation starter, that's why it's there. And also, yes, it is Jesus is Greyhound. For I wasn't me prepared Jesus for is a Greyhound? Jesus, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> is a biscuit. If Jesus came back as a bus, would you know? I, I, I wasn't <laughs> Two pre- front tires punctured. I wasn't prepared oh, no. for a song. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, <laughs> What were you thinking? I think like one with the sun is like really yeah. okay. Okay, it's, yeah. He really doesn't like identity. And practice. also, well, and um, the one from I can imagine the the be in the now. Ugh. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, okay. okay. It's just oh. like that. The whole like theme of the song, like I said on the previous episode, was it feels like it's a live, laugh, love plaque on your wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, show me what this is about. You know? I yeah. get that. But I get that. Anyway, exactly. Also, you like you and me. Yeah. It, it's, it you, almost doesn't count. You and me. Me and you. You and us. I can't even remember how the rest of it goes. It's you just, and we. We and you. <laughs> me and you. It's just like this like little we annoying. Me. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. It's just a pronoun game. Is it a Sesame yeah. Street song? Or? <laughs> I mean, basically. Yeah. I, if, I'll say she performed it on Sesame Street, and that's the reason why she wrote it, included it on the album. I have a lot more respect at that point. Totally. Definitely. Uh, maybe that's a missed opportunity. She, yeah, by the way, I was, I was looking up some of the other <laughs> totally. collaborations that she had done. In 2004, or no, 2014, she did, remember the rock band Live, the Lightning Crashes folks? Yes. She did a song with them for their greatest hits set uh, called, like, you know, Gone Back or something like that. It was uh, not great. It is one of those things where it's just like, okay, Shelves, just, uh, you know, do that. But also I remember Alison Moore, she got a big break when she was one of the duet guests on Picture by Kip Rock. Uh, yeah, because he had two versions of that. One with <laughs> your face right One now. with Cheryl Crow and one with Alison Moore, which is one of those things where it's just like, ugh, but also like, I mean, at least, you know, her name got out there, so people know who she was. But I'm curious just... what her politics are yeah. now. Is yeah. She uh, with Afsa or does not? I mean, that was like 2004, It was before he got like super crazy. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't, I mean, he was never like a good person, but yeah. he wasn't as public about it until about a his Yeah. Wackadoodleness. Yeah. <laughs> That's enough. Not to stay state-sized listeners, but I just want to say that. Uh, we do want to talk about her career a little bit, uh, because uh, when it comes to her 
early career is just fascinating because when she did her first three albums, uh, Sunrise, you know, Tough All Over, Soft Talk, she signed Epic Records, she didn't have any control over the songs that she sang, they were all written by other people. And so Terrence expressed a little bit of regret because I was digging into uh, some of the songs a little bit, and she broke away from Epic Records, and for 1993's Temptation, she put out kind of a, a big band swing record uh, that had a lot of country affectations called uh, Temptation. And I found, it, not every song on it was brilliant, but I found the opening song was just this wild swing number that was kind of going on. Just like, okay, Shelby, damn. Yeah, and that's, I mean, again, they, none of what I listened to was, like, fantastic. So they probably all would have ranked fairly low in the ranking. Yeah. However, it still was just interesting to see, like, where she came from and how, because I definitely think that there were still moments in that part of her career that informed and I'm sure taught her lessons that she was able to use later. Like, she was only able to completely produce and play every instrument on every album because she had been such a career musician. Mm -hmm. So it was just fun to see... The different sides. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And, and also just see, because one of my favorite skills of hers is how she layers her harmonies. She's just, like, brilliant at putting together vocal arranging. So it was just fun to see, like, you know, early in her career, in her 20s, like, producers giving her sort of a crash course on that. I don't know. It was just, it was fun to see the little threads that continued. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm, I have just said, unfortunately, I'm not too familiar with her country albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a lot of people are, apparently. Yeah, but I, I will say, to me, I mean, there are definitely musicians and singers and performers that just want to do this because they want to be in front of a crowd and want to say they want to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, and this is certainly not unique to Shelby, I feel like Shelby's here because she's always had something to say. Mm-hmm. She's always want, had something in her that has made her want to be a musician from her heart and talk about her experiences in her life. And she's always had, not like a message, but I feel like she's had a, a, point a definite vision yeah. for, I, I have these things to say, I've had these life experiences, you know, and I want to find my way to get to these points. So I, I would guess that these country start was her place to be where she could kind of begin, uh-huh. learn some of the craft, and then take it off from there, which is obviously what she did and did very well. Yeah. So, yeah. So now you mentioned in the main cast you told the story of the time that you the first time you saw her uh, during a very cold, very snowy day in Chicago when only yes. twenty people showed up and she took personal requests and gave you one of her picks, which she just showed us a photo of, yes. uh, which is incredible. But you saw her two other times. Yes. Yeah, so the second time was at Lincoln Hall. Um, that was um, a little more frustrating for me just because. It was a full show. Uh-huh. Like, I was spoiled by the giant snowstorm, lack of the crowd. Yeah, yeah. So it was like her and like twenty people in the audience. I was also seated behind um, a woo girl. Oh no! Who no. Every song For a that, Shelby every, Lynch show? Oh yeah. So she would stand up and she would wave her arms and go woo Shelby every song. <laughs> <laughs> it was a woo Shelby. <laughs> I like how you say. For a Shelby Lynch show, like, she's not a white country artist. Yeah. <laughs> I that's mean, who the woo girls attract. I mean, I know she's a little more yes. indie than that, but that's yes. still, like, you know, a, a woo, woo girl, girl so, fell in love with her while she was yes. breaking big. It was still, and like, today, it. it was still such an amazing experience to see her, her perform again. That was, <laughs> that was, I think, two years after that. So I, she wasn't touring with an album. She was just out on the road yeah. performing mm-hmm. and kind of getting in front of people. And then it was her. It was her, it was her and a guitar. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was, it's, I'm Shelby. This is me. Yeah. You know, nothing else to I go behind it. Yes. Yeah. Um, totally what she says. 
And the last time was actually um, this year we went to see her at City Winery. Ooh. Um, again, that's a great venue if you've not been. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have dinner. You know, they've got, of course, they have their wine they, they make there. And um, it's, it's also a very intimate venue where it feels like Lincoln Hall is very much like a show venue mm-hmm. where space and City Winery are more like these intimate sit-down joints. Mm-hmm. And you can really kind of... I'm here to enjoy a performance, and again, she's you know just off the heels of um, it's not dark yet, sort mm-hmm. of. Oh, okay. Um, so this so is very recent, yeah. Yeah, last this, year. This is actually this, this yeah this, this past summer actually. Oh. So, um, Sasha's, and also anybody wanting to go, she's announced a tour again next summer. Yeah. Um, no dates yet, as far as all it says is coming. More shows in summer 2020. So I'm looking forward to Cross Fingers Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely something if you want. If you want the full show experience, you know, all the musicians and, and all the sound pieces and equipment, you know, that's what you like, then you need to have this is not for you. But if you want to really get to know someone's heart and and get to know, you know, she has a very large catalog. Yes. And a lot of it she's written herself and to know what she chooses to give you in each performance. I have a, I only have an hour and a half to give you some of me live. What does she want to say? Mm-hmm. Um, interesting enough, she sings from Love Shelby, which you guys know the least, but... Yeah, um, well, and she loves to, uh, doing Tarpoli and Napoleon. She, she did does. it on the Life of the Caves yeah. uh, record, too. So, but it is definitely uh, something that you really get to know in her Shelby, what she's about. I mean, it's, it's, there's no, like I said, no earpieces. It's just her and a guitar, and it's plugged into an amp, and that's it. Yeah, and I love that. It's so beautiful. I mean, her, her beautiful singing... Um, she doesn't. She's not much makeup. She's just really just all about. I mean, I'm, I'm only there for the beauty and fashion. I'm That's giving really you. I'm, I'm giving you me. And this yeah. is what she does. And then she at City Winery. She was done. She walked out into the lobby and started talking to people. Yeah. Did she talk to you? Oh, did yeah. Talk to, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Did so, she remember you? No, because you know I I was joking earlier. I I'm sure because all three shows I shouted out play Dream Summon. She did. Um, so... Like, she, immediately now, after you shouted it all three times? Pretty close, yeah. Well, the first time, I she did right after. She went, she went to me, and she played it, you know, and uh, I'm hope, hopefully unknown to her is that Chicago guy likes Dream Some. You know, <laughs> if you asked her about, is there a guy in Chicago where she's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I sang for him. Yeah. So I like to think you should know who I am. It's only gonna be your first dance song, <laughs> so let's be let's be. It, it, it will because it is it's it's a it's my ooey gooey song. Aww. I love it so much. Yeah, yeah, that's so sweet. Yeah, so we were. Um, I, it's hard to pick a song I don't like, I least like, but there were a couple I'm like, eh, I skip those. Yeah. So most of them for me are called uh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I fair, will, fair. I know. But the other thing I want to talk about, I think it's just kind of interesting to note, is the fact that she won the Grammy for Best New Artist. Like, not a small thing. A lot of people consider it, quote unquote, the big four of records, which I feel is always weird when people refer to it as that. Like, oh, because she can only be nominated once. So, like, you can win the other three big, major, all-category Grammy Awards, but one of the big ones is Best New Artist. Okay, whatever. And it's worked for some people, you know, like Mariah Carey. And it's, Adele. Dua Lipa. And it's worked less for other people, like... Taste of Honey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but for this one, for Shelby, it was it's still talked about. Yeah. Um, people in music circles still refer to the 2000 Grammy because 
Again, she's had how many six albums? It was her six, yeah, six albums. It yeah, was her sixth so album. Yeah. Well, we knew who she was, and what? What? Who? What? Well, yeah, you know? but also like, didn't Portugal the Man win it last year? Well, they were nominated, but yeah. also, and, and that was like their ninth album or something. Or? Another fifth album uh, nominee was uh, Fountains of Wayne because they finally had a hit with Stacy's Mom. Oh yeah. <laughs> they put out four other albums before them, but that was the first thing they got. Yeah. And the thing is, I think the Grammys qualified as like the first time someone's in the public, you know. Right. cultural prominence exactly yeah. which is why when she took the stage she said wow so great to win best new artist on my sixth album which is like you know and a lot of people laughed and really you know were taken by that too because it's just like yep nope this is kind of ridiculous that this is happening but uh i mean she's still that grammy winner i mean that's her only thing she's ever won you know grammy wise which mm-hmm. is not like the you know the indicator of a career uh but still like it's just such a weird little cultural moment <laughs> that she's a part of yeah. so. i think she would think it would be great to win more stuff but i don't think it's important to her. I mean, I think she's not worried that she hasn't won more. So I have a thing I want to toss out here. Something I was kind of talking about with Taryn, because shockingly, anyone who heard the main cast knows that Taryn and I were not fans of Love Shelby, this overt pop effort. I know it was very nostalgic for you, but mm-hmm. it's one of the things where part of the thing about Jesus on a Greyhound and some of the other songs on there is just like it felt like such a sharp turn of songwriting from I Am Shelby Lynn, and it felt like an even sharper turn when she kind of course corrected that, in my opinion, with Identity Crisis, because yes. like it's just like what happened with this batch of songs? What What is it about Love Shelby? And couldn't get three more different albums. Right. Could In not. five years. Yeah. Yes. And I, for me, I just, I'm just going to... they were put, successive. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to put it out here. What about the idea that now that she was in the cultural spotlight and she won the Grammy and now she had the time to work with the Lance Morissette producer... Did she self-sabotage at all? Like, she's... Throughout her career, she's had a little bit of a aversion towards, like... You know, full blown, you know, like mainstream success. She knows think, she's not making. Go I ahead. think that's a stretch. Okay, because because she had been part of the machine mm-hmm. for years, so she wasn't specifically trying to she wasn't derail her way. fame no. be, as to by working with the machine again. She, I just literally think that this was, a, she liked the music of the time. She looked at herself as an a possible up-and-coming pop star and she was like well i won this best new artist grammy let's give this a shot you know these people want to work with me i like this sound so let's let's see and then it was pretty much critically panned Mm -hmm. and you know fans liked it enough but a lot of fans of i am shelby lynn didn't and then that's specifically why we got identity crisis was because she was like i thought this is what you wanted. I thought this was what I wanted. Yeah. And apparently no one liked it. So what am I now? You know, and that's sort of why she tries on all those different, like the blue, the like classic blues structure and the classic ballad structure and, and brings us in is like, okay, well, if you didn't like this, is, is this what you want from me? So I don't, I, I don't think it was self-sabotage at yeah. all. I, I definitely think it was just an organic growth of her as a career and as an artist was just like, okay, this didn't work let's see if this works better. Yeah, I feel like after Emma Shelby Lynn, it probably to her felt like, well, the next natural step is to keep, just to go further in this direction. Mm-hmm. I've got an award, people know who I am. Now I get big producers, you know, to help me make this sound even more like the pop album that 
they weren't I'm totally going to be, and here we are. Mm-hmm. And and people that I did there, I know it didn't resonate very well with her fans. I liked it a lot because I like the poppy sound of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're a dance it, pop guy at heart. Let's be well, real. I just I felt like it was to me. It was I would say it was like lots of it was like ear candy for me. I just felt like it was a, a very lush album. Um, however, it is that for yes. sure. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but if we're ranking like all the merits of an artistic work, I mean that is the one that would make me make it number two or three. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put it number eight. Right, uh, exactly. But I, still, I, mean, I still like it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of get. But again, of these three albums in succession, it's to me it's so striking, and I think it speaks to her talents. Mm-hmm. They couldn't be any more different. Right. I mean, they're they're so. So strikingly dissimilar to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, she never made. She never made another one like it again. Although, right. to be honest, like I would love to see her try and do a pop album at this day and age, just to see what she would interpret or what she would make that as. Because I feel like she just has that much more level of craft experience that it'd be interesting. Do you remember when Jewel went hard into dance pop? Oh my goodness! Yeah, intuition. follow your heart. Your intuition. We all were like, I remember when that came out. I always said, "This song is gonna groove." We were like, "What the fuck is she doing?" <laughs> right. Like, this is fucking. Right. Jewel. She wrote what? Foolish Games. I, I th- wait. She's this like soulful like rebirth of the saddest singer songwriter. Yeah. And then now we have like where Roscoe's dancing her butt off to her. Like, what's going on? You know. <laughs> Don't tell me Roscoe's played no. into it. I know. I mean, <laughs> oh, that was, a, that was a scary time so, in the two thousands. Yeah. So that that's a great example of way too far. Yeah, and she and her career never really recovered after no. that too. Like no. she put out other albums, but then she started putting out kids albums and other things like that. She just kind of. Lost. I mean, even Amy Lee of Evanescence, she was like, I'm going to put out a kid's album. People are like, we just want more Evanescence albums yeah. at this point. Like, you know, not everyone can be a polymath. And honestly, and I mean this in its own weird way, and I don't want to derail the subject too much, but credit be where credit is, Taylor Swift, for all of her issues, she transitioned so slowly and gradually into pop that mm-hmm. it actually worked. Like, yes. that was... She is, I would say, it's one of those things I was thinking about recently, like, say what you will about her artistry, and I'm definitely kind of, you know, a little bit iffy, like, some things I like, a lot of things I don't, uh, but her talent as a businesswoman is a talent by itself, mm-hmm. and I give her credit for that, because that is such a calculated move to do that, because as we've seen, sorry, Jewel, not everyone can pull it off. Sorry, Shelby. <laughs> we love well, you, yeah, Shelby. And Taylor, I mean, she's definitely a, a someone who... She she knows that she is a, her she is a business. Mm-hmm. Her name is her business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know I think she has got the artistic chops to give it what it needs to keep it going forward. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think she's someone who would just be a pop for a second and then just vanish. I mean, yeah. this is she's got staying power. She's figured it out, uh, much like the path of like Dolly Parton, who found a way to have staying power mm-hmm. through the decades Taylor is on that same path and I'm right. curious to see what she will do next I mean she, I'm not comparing her to Dolly in any measure as far as like writing chops because I don't know that she is in the same even stratosphere as Dolly Parton yeah. for songwriting um, but I feel like she understands her own business like Dolly did mm-hmm. and I think we'll see a lot more from her to come yeah um I also get the feeling, thinking, you know, kind of getting back to Shelby, I don't think that Shelby's bothered that she's not that. I mm-hmm. feel like At she... All. At all. I don't think that's not what she wanted for herself. I think she would have would have loved that, because that would have been a nice bonus to her. But I don't think that bothers her. I feel like she's able to like, stay true to herself. Her deep flavor of heartbreak, which she talks about a lot, yeah. has resonated through all of her albums. And I also feel like you can see that so clearly in albums like Suit Yourself and... 
just a little loving. It's this is the work of an artist who doesn't really care if she has mass appeal or not. She's making music that she loves, and she knows that people who also love it are going to find it, and she's perfectly fine with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if she wanted, sure, her her live shows would be very different. She'd have full bands, and mm-hmm. she'd have big right. numbers. Because she went to a few larger venues, but that's not what she does. Yeah. It's just her and the guitar, and I am Shelby. So, you the know? thing is, I feel like... It, I have a lot of feelings about it, and I feel like she's absolutely stayed in her lane. When I interviewed her around Tears, Lies, and Alibis, she talked about a lot of people, like, she doesn't like spending time at the computer. She just feels it's very constrictive to her, and she also gets weirded out when people are like, oh, can you send me an MP3 of that? She's like, I don't know how to make an MP3. You know, she just, like, flat out said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then another thing is that when she talked about how guarded she is about her, uh, yeah, basically about her life, I was kind of looking through a couple different articles and things, and she came across this one thing where people have speculated that she's gay before. And she said only in one interview, she just said, yeah, everyone's a little bit gay, and then very staunchly went back to her, I don't talk about my private life at that. And like she says, it doesn't matter who I'm fucking, it's my business and no one else's. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where I never got any particular sense of her sexuality through her lyrics at all. It's just, you know, and, you know, she's right to, you know, be private as much as she is. I just hadn't really considered her as anything else. It just was, I don't know, striking. It was just an interesting little well, I think to that point, I mean, that may be a very calculated move on her part as an artist. Because uh-huh. this allows those of us who get to enjoy her songs to relate directly to it. Uh-huh. We're not worried she's singing to a man or woman. She's just singing to someone who's broken her heart. Yeah. And that you is... Know? And we all can relate to that. That is a very interesting thing to notice. Now that I think about it, there aren't really there's no pronouns. Gender. There's yeah. no pronouns. It's all it's. There's no him. It's always you. Yes. She's always singing to or about. Like she's never Why singing about the person. Me? She's singing to the person. Yeah, actually, yeah. On the phone. Why didn't you call me? Huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I just. I never. And I honestly like don't really care. Yeah. Exactly. She. I feel like she wanted to get everyone the ability to relate relate to what what she was saying. Hmm. It, and, it's just and she did, there yeah. are some songs where she you know, she says she you know yeah and I think it's just what like and, and it's not dark yet the song was written that way mm-hmm. so she sings it still with that pronoun which mm-hmm. you know if you were if she were heterosexual it wouldn't make sense mm-hmm. but she just sings it right because that was a song yeah. Um, I mean, again, Shelby, if you're listening, not to speculate, but it's just a little fascinating little tidbit about your life. Like, and we yeah. 100% appreciate yeah. your take on it, and we respect it. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Nathan, do you have any other thoughts, ideas, things you want to share or touch on? No. So I just, you didn't get to talk about I her? just feel like we're lucky we get to have Shelby, that she found a way to get her voice heard. Yeah. Um, and make her talent into what it is today, because it's something that's very rich and very meaningful, and... Um, and this certainly is not unique in the world of music, um, but it's. I appreciate that she's found a way to people that have tapped into her. I think she tapped back into those people as well, and mm-hmm. she finds a way to keep going. She draws strength, and then she knows. I think that helps define her direction. Yeah. Um, which I think, again, is something that people, her fans, really appreciate, and the people that go to her shows are really looking for that experience, and are they are really Shelby fans? I mean, they really understand. Mm-hmm. what she is all about. There's a kinship. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's not, I just want to go see a fun show. It's, oh, it's Shelby. Yeah, because also I when you're at a Shelby Lynn show, you're with Shelby Lynn fans. And since they're kind of a rare breed by itself, like mm-hmm. that's a very specific uniting Woo factor. Woo girls aside. Yes. Woo girls aside. <laughs> Shelby! Woo, Shelby! 
Yes, that's exactly what yeah. it was. And so aside from that, yes, which again, that's how she yeah. expressed her love. Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah, exactly. Just I mean, I just remember out of place. I remember when we were at Lollapalooza and we saw the 1975. And it was a transformational experience to see them live because they were a band I was just kind of dismissed. And seeing them live really clicked a lot of songs in the place. I did just not dismiss like, them for the record. Uh, and uh, it is one of the things where we were behind tweens. And one of them had like little bracelet that had the words crunk on it. And I just remember like, whatever, <laughs> fine. And they were tweens. filming with like an iPhone in one hand and a GoPro in the other. Like oh. holding it up. I'm like, you're going to love this. But the iPhone, uh, but since they were smaller than me and they were in front of me, the iPhone would sometimes like hit the side of my head too while they're holding it. I'm just like... <laughs> Jesus Christ, the, the youth, the youth, please not the youth, oh. uh, which was its own thing. Uh, Taryn, I'm just curious because this was a little bit of a you know breakout of genre. How was this week for you? It was very interesting. Yeah, yeah this isn't uh, normally the type of artist I gravitate towards, uh-huh. just because I am I am very pop oriented in general, especially in recent years. Yeah. Um, but no, it was really fun to to explore, and I definitely, uh, as happens every time, there were songs <laughs> where like first two times they didn't seem like anything special and then the third time for some reason i'm like holy shit alibi yeah holy shit yes. you know um so no I, I i'm absolutely i'm so glad we did this episode there are absolutely like huge takeaways there were some really fun discoveries and yeah. I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. i couldn't be i i was very surprised with how much i ended up enjoying it yeah it was, i think and i think we talked before we started recording yeah about the people she's so pigeonholed by yeah her, her if you go to a go to the, you know, your streaming services her label is country if you go to a record store she's behind the country shelf dividers right she really and she's just not. isn't she isn't so country. she has I, I feel like people like like yourself before this experience were kind of shying away because eh, it's country i can't do that's not my flavor but you discover that's not who she is she definitely has some ingredients of country, mm-hmm. which is what her roots are. Um, but she's made this beautiful blend of other other sounds and other, you know, genres that draw in more people. And I think you discovered that. Yeah. Well, and I think also it's something where not only does the label of country not really do her justice, but like I, we didn't even really talk about this that much, but she is really a gorgeous vocalist. Mm-hmm. And, and oh when she does ballads... Like I, this might be the most ballad-heavy research week we've done besides, like since Whitney Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and there really are like the songs that I knew from her already were mostly like the the more upbeat ones, but the songs that I took away from this week were the ballads, just like the gorgeous, heart-wrenching, incredible like belting belted harmonies all over the place. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. But you talked about in the main cast how you would qualify her in another genre that wasn't country. You yes. had an idea. Well, I just, like I said earlier, I think she's more than Americana singer-songwriter with a little bit of folk and blues thrown mm-hmm. in. And obviously there are definite flavors of country, but she is not a country singer or a country artist. And I think it's interesting, too, because I feel like in the 90s and 2000s, singer-songwriter was sort of considered its own genre. Yeah. And then I feel like in this decade especially, but even a little before that, that just sort of dissipated. Right. And it became, you know, pigeonholed again into the parts that yeah. make up what a single It was very happy in the 70s. Yeah. Right. The 80s that went away, came came back in the 90s yes. again, late 90s, 2000s, and it's kind yeah. of gone away again. 
So it'll it, come roaring back. It's peaks and valleys, but Shelby's always been there. Mm-hmm. Louis Capaldi, you're next. Yes. Singer songwriter, baby. Woo. Yeah. Maggie Rogers. <laughs> so again, if you're listening to this and you think you can't do it because she's country, just knock it off. Play some of her albums. You know our top three. Yeah. Go see a show. You will become a well, fan of me. Yeah. Well, and I think another thing too is that like. If you have a twang because you're from the South, people call you country. Whereas, like, if you took the twang away, I don't even know if anyone would use that word. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, again, guys, just remember, do what Nathan says. Listen to those top three albums, which is I Am Shelby Lynn, Just a Little Lovin', and Identity Crisis. They're really great. They're fantastic. <laughs> They're really great. That was not number three. <laughs> that was not number three, you asshole. All right. It is good. Revelation Row was number three. Uh, anything else you want to say, Darren? No, no. I've said too much. Okay. Well, in that case, Nathan, unless you have anything else to say. No. Just become a Shelby fan. Yeah. Yes. I love it. That's a great idea. Uh, guys, do us a favor. Please uh, rank us when you can. Listen. Uh, if you, it Really, genuinely, anytime you put a rating anywhere, it helps drive traffic. It helps raise awareness for the podcast. It's great. Anyone that posts about it, tag us. Run in uh, Twitter at uh, the Chartographers, the Chartographers at gmail.com. Reach out to us however you want to. But most important, Nathan, again, thank you so yeah, much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was an honor to be chosen. This yeah. is so cool. I feel so, so like, so, like, it's so cool to be here. Yeah. 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 Well, it means yeah. a lot to us, too. And I'm so happy when people get to hear this and respond. It's going to be fantastic. But in the meantime, guys, keep on listening because you know that we'll be. Have a good one. This is David from the new movies podcast, Catching Up David. I thought I'd tell you a little bit about one of the movies we watched recently that I liked the most, and that was Lilo and Stitch. I especially like the aliens in Lilo and Stitch, which I didn't realize was a thing. He didn't realize that was a thing because David doesn't know anything about modern pop culture. He somehow missed all of the 2000s. So Kristen and I, we made a list of the pop culture canon movies that we feel were influential and have really solidified their place in today's pop culture and we make David watch them. So if you want to experience someone experiencing pop culture for the first time having lived in a bubble, we can be found at Catching Up David on Twitter or you can find us any place you listen to podcasts or at catchingupdavid.podbean.com.